0: Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One, I'm Ray Canada.
1: And I'm Margot Moss. Midnight Menu Plus One is a food lifestyle show on the podcast network, it's neworleans.com. Tonight we're at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room in the Irish Channel.
0: The Tap Room is NOLA Brewing's on-site watering hole. They serve NOLA's regular lineup of craft beer as well as eight specialty brews you can't get anywhere else
1: the tap room is open seven days a week weekdays from 2 to 11 p.m. and weekends from 11 in the morning till 11:30 p.m.
0: so glad you could join us friends each week on midnight menu plus one Margot and i invite a member of new orleans restaurant and food community to have a beer with us and we invite them to bring along their own guest a plus one we never know who their plus one's going to be sometimes it's a friend it can be a neighbor a family member a fellow restaurant colleague just about anybody
1: our special guest on Midnight Menu Plus One tonight is Nick Bazan, uh, owner, co-owner, and manager of Little Gem Saloon.
0: I cannot wait to get to talk to him. Fascinating person, but we're uh, really looking forward to that. But before we do, I want to catch up on this week's culinary adventures, Margaret. You have anything that you ate that's worth reporting?
1: Well, I I didn't don't have anything to talk about that i ate but i do have to say something i read and i'm very excited i've never been a restaurant quarter you know like d- uh, been to a place that i didn't want people to go to right except once in my life where um the crab trap
0: the crab trap is that it's is that a place out in destin
1: no it's um, <laughs>
0: it's a place called that in destin no I think.
1: it's uh it's about 15 20 minutes from here okay and um they have this thing called barbecue crabs, wow. that is the best thing I've ever eaten in my life. And wow. they closed, okay? Uh, and I was devastated. This and week it closed? No, no, a oh. couple years years ago. Oh, okay. And um, but I just read that they're he's reopening. Closer. Louis? Yeah. yeah they're re- no, they're reopening in the same place. Oh, in the same place. But they're All right. reopening. All right. And it is. Same people? The most incredible thing. Yes. What they
0: do to the building in the meantime?
1: It was just like a shack in the middle of on the lake, in uh, the middle of nowhere.
0: Middle of nowhere. So it, just uh, stayed a it was shack. in the
1: downstairs of a, another restaurant or whatever. And but it's amazing. So so I'll barbecue crab
0: is it like barbecue shrimp? Is that kind of barbecue? It's, it's not barbecue like, like most people think of, like Texas barbecue, like correct, like brisket. No, it's the New Orleans uh, it's, use it's of the word barbecue. It's a version
1: of it's like barbecue shrimp, and right. it comes in the shell.
0: And that sounds great. the
1: sauce is unbelievable. Why has
0: nobody else ever uh, tried to nobody imitate that? Nobody can.
1: I'm sure people have. I've seen a lot of uh, uh. well-known chefs eating there. Uh. But uh, I don't think anybody can do it like Louis the Lips.
0: Wow, Louis the Lips. That's great. Oh, wow. Well. Um, Where have you eaten this I've week? I've eaten in a bunch of things this week. But I'll tell you, my, the, the, uh, today I walked about 14 miles in uh in the hot sun in 96 degrees in my long pants and i'm dehydrated and i can't remember <laughs> anything i ate. all i remember is drinking lots and lots of water and staggering around today so but you know what i, I really don't want to talk about any more of mine this week because i'm dying to get to hear from our guest uh obviously going to have a lot to talk about really excited to have with us nick bazan of little gem saloon most recently thank you. thank you so Thanks glad so you're here much. yeah thank you uh, for inviting me over margot um
2: I was just telling uh, my special uh, mystery guest about how I met you over at uh, that wonderful Italian Barrel restaurant. Yes. It seems that uh, this city is so full of restaurants, and all we do is talk about restaurants Uh. and (laughs) where we're going to eat next, what we're eating at the restaurant that we're eating at.
0: Italian Barrel you guys met at? Yeah. Oh, in Esplanade in Decatur. love that Mm -hmm. place. Wonderful place. Great place.
2: Oh, yes. It's a great story. Super authentic, too. Yeah, she went to Italy uh, and all that. Yeah, yeah, she goes to it. Well, she she imports the pastas from Italy. Huh. And all the pastas are made in Italy with uh, ambient yeast and the ambient eggs and water. And then she makes the sauces there. What a
0: great concept. Wait, she uses Italian water too? No. All well, the pastas
2: are made in Italy <laughs> from the Italian water. Okay, okay. Right, I, think, no. I
0: think she meant she imported the water she boils it into. I was no, like, wow, no, that's no, extreme. That, <laughs> that would be – she could, but No. That would be that would be intense. She
2: uses New Orleans tap water, which you know, which is what I drink, which basically yeah, ruins it. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. <laughs> I was gonna say, gives it that little extra uh, joie de vivre that uh, yeah, yeah. you know, everything uh, needs here.
2: No, New Orleans water, I think, is one of the best tasting waters in the country. I think it was voted huh. that a few years ago. I don't know if you all heard. Uh-huh. Yeah. We do have it one of the best tasting good. water.
0: Well, it's got to be good for cooking because the cooking's so good here, right? It's got to at least be good for that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and, then yeah. The co- and the cooking like boils out all the stuff that's in the 300-year-old pipes, right? <laughs> I've been drinking. This.
2: I came you know, to New Orleans in 1981 with only tap water, and I'm still here. So hey, all right. that's what 35 really, years you've now. always always well every now and then when I. Somebody buys me a bottle of Evian, <laughs> uh, I'll drink it. But otherwise, tap water for me. All right, all right. All
1: you're a real supporter. And,
2: and no brain amoebas me. or anything. More, no, no, no <laughs> brain amoebas. No, that's what I'm drinking now. So. That's right. Your
0: dad's like a brain doctor, right? That's so. right. My father's a brain, yeah. sci- a neuroscientist. So he that's would know right. if you had brain amoebas. He would He'd know. know the science. That's right.
2: When you say brain amoeba, I thought my father would know that. Uh, and uh, my father's a neuroscientist. Yeah. With my mother, I said but they're both scientists at LSU. Really. No they're both researchers have been doing research for 49 years married for 50 years in September uh, next month beautiful so I mean they're an, an inspiration to me in so many ways wow. married worked together for 49 years five kids still doing it still joking around still work together and uh, yeah those that generation uh, what the, the greatest uh, well the baby boomers basically he's a uh, he's 74 my mom's 74 that is a great generation they just do not give up and uh, i want to
1: hear a little bit more about uh your family and where you come from but first i'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about uh your latest uh, endeavor at uh little gem saloon and tell us about what goes on there and i'd love
2: to well the little gem saloon is such a special place uh why? Because uh, of the history. This place uh, is where jazz was born. Literally, jazz was created right there in that
0: building, in that block. The fourner block of Rampart is like, if New Orleans is the epicenter of the creation of jazz, the fourner block of Rampart claims to be the epicenter of, of the city's cre- creation. It started right there and spread to the rest of the city. It really it? did. Yeah. And
2: we could say that with, with all confidence uh, and because of Buddy Bolden. Jelly Roll Morton, Kid Ory, and of course Louis Armstrong. They wow. were there. They were there playing music before it was considered jazz. It was called ragtime. Yeah. So this is where the term jazz came from. It also came from New Orleans. Right. It came from that era and that area. We're talking in 1903 to wow. 1915 is where this okay. music, jazz, as we know it now, was created in that block. So what was it called then, that building? That building was called the Little Gem Saloon. It was, okay. It, it was. was, so okay. we, brought, we brought the name back. Okay. And, uh, and we want to maintain the history about playing jazz every day. So that's definitely what we have there. We have great music every day, no matter what. And yep. it's mostly
0: jazz. Yeah, now, I mean, Kermit Ruffins, people think of him as sort of like the modern Louis Armstrong. He's in that same sort of tradition, and he's he plays every week, doesn't he? He's like 7 every, Saturday, every night. Saturday, right? Every Saturday new, night. It's kind of like his new staple there. Uh, that's an anchor for him.
2: He does two shows, one at 7 9 o'clock every Saturday. And uh, we also have other great artists every night of the week. Uh, kid, um, kid Jordan uh, plays there quite a bit. His son also plays quite a bit and naio jones plays every friday well we have so many great artists that play every day no matter what because we want to maintain the music alive in that block and there's three buildings next to us that are just as important and they're going to come back we have the eagle saloon in the corner yeah where buddy bolden played his first orchestra's jazz that building is on the corner of Perdido and rampart we have the Iroquois theater where Louis Armstrong performed. Uh, as a young man and won uh, a huge award, you've probably seen the pictures of Louis Armstrong in Whiteface. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever seen that, yes. it's a very famous picture. That was inside of Iroquois Theater right there, wow. and then the building next to us is the Karnofsky store. That's where Louis Armstrong worked as a young man wow. when he was about seven years old, wow. because this was the back of town. This area back in the early 1900s was a very poor, shabby. African American and also Jewish neighborhood. Right. Back then, the Jewish families were mixing in with the black families of that era, and they were living next to each other, and they were basically merchants right. to each other. So, uh, the Karnowskis that are still in New Orleans, now they're, 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 the Karnowskis have changed their name to the Karnos. Okay. It's a very famous family in the French quarter. They own a bunch of properties, they own restaurants, they actually opened up this place called the Cornet or Bourbon Street recently. That's their, oh, that's their I building. Heard it. Uh, and so they brought Louis Armstrong in as a young man, gave him a job, and also gave him money to buy his first Cornet. Uh, right there.
1: That's why he wore a Jewish star, right? Oh,
2: uh, that uh, yeah, wearing? that's because right. Because of the Kornos- or Wow, So that's the building next to us. So those buildings are protected and they're definitely preserved. And they're going to come back one day huh. as a saloon, a theater, and maybe a store.
0: Man, it sounds like a vision for uh, your family. You guys oh. got to <laughs> spread the empire. So, what's going on there right now? They're pretty much vacant, aren't they're they? They're vacant, but yeah. they're
2: they're definitely being now. They're being uh, remodeled because something's going, something's
0: happening. Well, you uh, got the streetcar line coming in on Rampart, right? That's right. And that when that gets done, I don't know when they're going to get that done. It's well, already that done. done past there. It's right on Rampart on, oh, on Loyola. It Loyola it yeah. Yeah, I yeah, know on Rampart though. They're putting it in right now, and then and then also. Um, you have uh, all those new theaters opening up right there, and so it's got to be, the Sanger's got to be bringing a lot more business there, and you just saw, just today, what was the one There's that just opened today? There's all the
1: living, people living downtown, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and also the quarter's full, so it's got to spread, and Treme's got such a, a buzz to it since the show, well, and Nick. so you're right there in the center, but that's, that, that's got to be the next place to really explode, don't you think? There's so mm-hmm. much
2: growth there. I mean, the Paramount building just went up behind us. The Paramount building is about two blocks away. It's in the South Market District next to Rouse's. That's all downtown living. There's so many more shops, so many more condominiums. There's a hotel behind us going up next month. There's also a lot more shopping now yeah. besides the Rouse's. We right. have a CVS that went up about two weeks ago. We have a great bakery now by John Best. Oh, nice. Willie Jean's.
1: So are you finding uh, more locals Uh
2: so many more locals have moved downtown.
1: And patronizing. And um,
2: patronizing us. This is happening all over the country. They're moving back downtown, away from yeah. the suburbs. They have a, they have the empty nest.
1: And walkable. People, Everything's people that are, are, in walking distance. They are, they
2: are. They are over 50 years old. They're moving back downtown. It's like, you yeah. know, why drive out to the suburbs again where I can just stay downtown,
0: walk around? Amen. Amen so it much better. They realize that the suburban dream and is not what it's cracked up to be. Nick, definitely. don't
1: y'all, um, y'all... You're a little different, too. Don't y'all serve food and, and have, uh, like... It's kind of dining and a music experience? Of course.
0: No, yes. We're definitely a restaurant first, Marvel. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, you're a restaurant with music. You're not a music that's place right. with food, right? Exactly. Yeah.
2: And so our identity is both. And that's why we do have a great kind of niche mm-hmm. of, a, of a business. So... We have a wonderful kitchen with uh, a staff of about seven people and we're doing Southern soul food and we're just all from scratch, all natural, like it should be. I mean, I stand huh. behind our food. And so it's a great place for people of all ages to come yeah. in, sit down, have dinner and watch a show in a clean, comfortable environment. Huh. And that's that's really what I like about it because I've been all over the city to see all sort of music shows. And to get both, to get a great, comfortable dinner with great service, a wonderful wine list and cocktail menu while you're watching a show, that's not really being done too much in New Orleans.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. So, Wow, well, that, that might be a good uh, segue for your plus one because I saw he's wearing a chef jacket. I don't know who he that's is, right. but I'm assuming he's a chef. Oh, I'd love unless to he him just, Unless he just likes to dress like that. <laughs> well,
1: while um, our, our producer's getting him, let me ask you um, – what were you doing before? I mean, I I, I have I remember, but why don't you talk a little bit about uh, what businesses you were involved in before sure. uh, Lil' Gem? definitely. Well,
2: what I mean, I opened up Rio Mar in 2000 in the Warehouse District. Uh, and that that brought in more of a global cuisine downtown like right. never before. Yes. We've always had French Creole in New Orleans, which is great. But we brought in the latin influence right. chef but was not,
0: panamanian wasn't he yeah exactly panamanian yeah.
2: descent born and raised in new orleans right right so but we brought over the latin cuisine to new orleans like never before not spanish latin pan-latin right, right? yes yeah. central American mostly Northern Caribbean,
0: a lot of Sevilla. is that your background, by the way? We can hear a little bit of an accent. Is That's that right. where I'm from, you're from I'm originally? From, uh, I'm from Argentina. That's what we thought.
2: Okay. That's where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, but the, the the Latin influence really came from Central America, yeah. which is the Northern Caribbean. As, as you may know, New Orleans has so many influences from that area with our rums and our cuisine. You know, it all started back in the day from Haiti when they were coming in through the slave trade. And they brought in voodoo. And they brought in so many spices. Huh. And the pay or bitters. So the Northern Caribbean influence in New Orleans is, I think, overseen quite a bit. Or it was back then. In 2000, when we opened Rio Mar, nobody knew what ceviche was. Nobody knew what a caipirinha was, oh. or cachaça, or even pisco. Now, it's everywhere. it's not because of us. It's really because, I think, we become a little more worldly in the city of New Orleans right. for so many reasons. I could maybe say, uh, Katrina and we're going all back to history
1: too. Though I mean, I think people are—we—we we have always had those influences, like you said, mm-hmm. but it just hasn't been highlighted. Maybe in the recent, so when y'all came along, it, it helped uh, put, it, put it back in in the forefront of people's certainly. I think minds people, people to appreciate all our culture here Definitely, and Martha, the influences. People
2: are ready to explore other cuisines other than the tranchami de manure. Mm -hmm. you know and it gets that gets uh, it doesn't get repetitive but it's just come on let's just let's explore something else and I really think also the food network had a lot to do with it the food network brought in so so much more awareness about war cuisine like never before Mm -hmm. and now people they don't just watch that they read about it so we're becoming more educated on cuisine all over the country really I grew up in Argentina like you asked yes and Back then, we take food seriously, and we actually cook together as a family. That's being done now more than ever before in this country. I think because of the not just the Food Network, all the great magazine publications, and also yeah. online cooking that you can do so much
0: right. of. Huh. Now, speaking of cuisine, I want you introduce your plus one. Tell us who he, love who he to. is and why you selected him.
2: Right. Well, I brought
0: over all the uh, people in the whole world. Yes, this is the guy I brought you chose, over, the one guy you chose. of course, be with you.
2: Michael Shelton here, who's one of the best chefs that I've met. Ever, I'm not just saying that because he cooks for me at Little Gem Saloon. Ah. He really is an amazing young man. And uh, when I met him and we, uh, we first talked, I was so impressed with him in so many levels that
3: I had to bring him. Anyway. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Thanks, Michael, for joining us. Thank you. Now, uh, when was the first time y'all met?
3: Um, we met. I, I applied for the Susef job at um, Little Gem. Um, and on my first day there, I realized I hadn't met him yet. And I realized this guy's cutting my paycheck and we should have a conversation. <laughs> and um, we sat and talked for almost an hour. And, you know, I kind of gave him my philosophy on um, what I do. It's not just a lot of people will say, oh, I cook for art's sake. I don't. I have a family to take care of. It's craft, which is art for sale. And <laughs> it's a business. And a lot of my philosophy is based on making money for the people who are cutting the check. I tell all the cooks just yesterday, you don't work for me, you work with me. I don't cut your check. And so that's my respect for the people who own the business. And that guides what I do, very much so.
1: And uh, who influenced you in that, in your philosophy, in your life? Where did that come from?
3: I've been really blessed to have some very good chefs. My uh, first set of chefs were um, Joshua Wilkinson and John Mentalepri at a 2 John Steakhouse in Shreveport, Louisiana. They, they brought me up right. They, they showed me the proper way to do things. They showed me that you don't have to be adversarial with the people you work with. Um, when I see them and their families and um, um, John's father, Big John, who owns the restaurant, I hug them. You know, it's, it's more than I, I, on birthdays, I still call this three, four years later. Um, so it's, it's seeing a family business, what it means to people, and having people do me a good turn. And so just, you know, reflexively, and this is how I was raised, if someone does you a good turn, it's your duty to return that. So, that's, that's my basic So, philosophy. did you grow up
0: there in Shreveport or are you no, from, where are you I'm, from? I'm
3: from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania originally. All right. Um, my father was in the Air Force. I've lived all over the country. I went to um, high school in Biloxi. I went to college at Jackson State University in Jackson. And um, and then uh, I transferred a job from Jackson to Monroe, Monroe to Shreveport. And then I was in Shreveport. Um, I was I'm running a kitchen in a restaurant called the Bella Fresca Bistro. Um, if you're ever in Shreveport, Bella Fresca is one of the, the two best restaurants you can go to up there. Um I had an opportunity, my first year at Two Johns, to come down and Stodge at Commander's Palace. I just wanted to see if I could do it. I wanted to see if I could handle it, and I did. I did well. They actually offered me a job. You know, I wasn't able to take it right then. You know, I was still, you know, committed to Streetport. Um, but um, a friend of mine called me, so they had a job opening down here, and I, I went for it. I figured if I can make it in New Orleans, it's one of the top four or five food cities in America. There's so much you can learn. Which is really, because you can't know it all, but you can learn forever. You know, so as long as you keep that in your mind that every day you're going to learn something new. I decided this was the um, place to be, and it's it's worked out for me. It's so is that, well, was that
0: job, the Little Gem Saloon, then? That was your first job in New Orleans? No,
3: my, my first job at little at, in um, New Orleans was at Mondo in Lakeview. Huh. And I did horrible. <laughs> I don't mind telling M- Mondo's do you. Mondo's the Susan Spicer yeah, yes, restaurant. Yes, it was. Yes, yeah. it was. It just, you know... Sometimes you have to learn, and sometimes you, it takes a kick in the behind to learn. I went from there, and I was working at Pizza Dominica for John Besh. I was the head of production there.
0: Wait, but you skipped over what you did bad at Mondo. What happened? Did uh, you kill somebody? What oh no, there? nothing
3: like that. Nothing like that. Food <laughs> uh, poisoning? You, oh no, not, nothing like that. What you what you learn? Night you, fight you, in the kitchen? What happened? Oh no, no one ever wants to fight me. I'm bigger than they are. <laughs> but um, what you what you end up learning is is every environment's not for you, and you're not for every environment. Which is really the the reason behind the stodge. It's so that you get to see, and then they get to see. And, you know, I learned a lot. Um, I learned technique, and I learned Ms. Spicer is a taskmaster. I, I mean that with all due respect. I mean, just the manner in which just to cut fish, setting up your station properly, making sure you have your right tools, it's on ice, things like that. I take them with me, and I bother people about it now. You know, So, you know, it was definitely a learning experience, and I would say... I was not ready for New Orleans at that point, but I got ready. Cause you know, there's no option, you know, I have children. And so my next job at pizza, Dominica went much easier because of that, because, you know, I could sit around, and I could blame them. I could say, Oh, they did this, they did that. Or, and this is the better learning tool. What could I have done different? What could I have done better? And so regardless of, even if it wasn't my fault, I'm going to make it my fault. And in that you learn from your mistakes and then you improve. And that's that's what you have to do in this business. You have wow. to improve.
1: I want to work for you. Uh,
3: with you. <laughs> yeah, with. I mean, with.
1: you are inspiring. That's, that's, why, that's why I brought so him here. so lucky to he have you in the city. He's an inspiring,
2: bright young man. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I first talked to him, I was like, I could see this man going far in this city of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And so we, he's a chef now, and I'm so lucky to have him. We mm-hmm. all are. We're very inspired by him every day the front of the house, the back of the house. Yes, yeah, and he cooks damn well, too.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And, that's, that's, and that good relationship with the front and the back of the house is necessary. You read a couple of books, and there's always some chef who hates everybody who ever waited tables. I used to wait tables, so I'm aware of what it is. Also, I already think I cook well. I think everything I cook tastes good. It's not always the case. And you can't – my chef's ego says it's good. But I have to be able to talk to them. They have to be able to tell me, hey, this guy says it's too spicy. Um, This guy says it needs more salt. This guy says it needs more sugar. You know, I have to be able to get that information and process it and be humble enough to know that I absolutely have to have that because they're paying for it. You know, and they're like me. I work five, six days a week. Um, You know, I have bills. And this might be the one time this month this group of people got to come out have a good stress-free time. I want them to have a good time because, you know, I know what that is, because there's been a couple of months I haven't gone out at all. I've been at work, but you know, I'm an adult and that's what you have to do. And so, you know, I try to keep that with me. I want to have a good working relationship with both the front and the back of the house. If you have a good working relationship all through front and back, it translates to the customers. Mm -hmm. We had a really good night um, last Saturday night. Um, Kermit Ruffin plays at our restaurant on Saturday Mm -hmm. nights. And I had never really, really seen the floor. I stepped out, we had all our tickets done. I couldn't even walk through, but everybody was having such a good time. If they were jumping in it, it lets you know what kind of food they want and need for this environment. Because you know, I can do anything, but everything is not for everybody. So you have to be key to that room. And that was a beautiful experience to sit there and say, okay, I get it. This is what I need to do. This is who I'm catering to. You know, people are just having a good time. And, you know, it's... Fuel the,
1: the dancing and the revelry, yeah. and
3: And just just food. to relax. You know, and you think about it. We're coming up on the 10th anniversary of Katrina. Yeah. Um, what better time than now for people to reflect and have a relaxing time? Be able to chill out. Because even in northern Louisiana at that time, it was chaotic. Because you had people's families being displaced. The weather kicked back. You know, and then you just... I went to high school in Bluxby, my my 14 to 18 year old life is gone. Yeah. I can't ever go show my kids, you know, where me and my friends used to play football at. I can never really go show them my life at that time. It's sobering. It's very sobering. And you know, you have to respect it. You know, a lot of people look at it as a, as a as a when you're not from the area. They look at Katrina as like a like a TV movie. Yeah. Like it's just, "Oh yeah, okay, now it's okay." No. When you talk to people from New Orleans, Talk to anybody from New Orleans for 15 minutes. Eventually they will say, well, before the storm. And it'll, it'll come up. It's, it's a scar. It's an emotional scar from here through Biloxi and in Alabama. The people on the coast, it's a scar. And so if I can, if one night you can come down, have a drink, have a good meal, listen to some good music, you know, just have a, good, a legitimately good time, you know, I did my job. I did my job. Excellent.
1: Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I wonder if people order different things de- when you have different musical settings, you know? Have you noticed that? Like, are there different sort of dishes or different s- styles of food that get uh, consumed when Kermit's playing as opposed to other kind of styles of music that oh, you have? Oh, definitely, mm-hmm. definitely, Like, what's Just, an example of that? You know,
2: we, we had, well, we, we for Jazz Fest, of course, the city comes alive, and we do a lot of a lot more rock, rock and roll show. We had uh, my friend John Thomas Griffith from Kybermouth perform one night. And so that's a, that's a younger crowd, a little rowdier. They're going to get more appetizers. They're going to uh-huh. have more small bites and a lot more beer. Uh-huh. Kermit Ruffins will definitely bring in, I think, a lot more tourists right. as well. Right. The tourists want to have Signature our New Orleans, New Orleans dishes. gumbo, yeah. the crawfish etouffee. Right. They're going for things that they don't get back, back home. Right. Uh, Friday nights, Nio Jones. She brings the locals. Right. Locals want to get the specials. Uh, They're definitely going for a little, something a little bit more adventurous, not as touristy or maybe not as cut and dry Creole. Because what we're doing there, there is not just Southern soul. we're also throwing uh, in New Orleans standards as well.
0: Huh. Mm-hmm.
2: But Michael now is changing the menu slowly so, to what he feels like he just said that people want because he's right about this space. You want to make sure the space and the people dictate your menu.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, to me, it's like you guys are in this historic space, and you want to highlight that, and you want to make that important to the way people get to know you, Mm -hmm. but also you don't want to become a food museum or a music museum either. No. No. And so you want it to be evolving, right? And right, right. So, so, exactly. so I guess the trick is holding on to I mean, this is what commanders and people like that have to deal with all the time too, mm-hmm. I guess. Anyone has a tradition to their institution. Oh, yeah. right. You want to like, be able to figure out what's essential you hold on to and what needs to evolve to keep it interesting. And yes. that's gotta be, But that's got to be fun for somebody as an outsider that's moved yeah. here recently mm-hmm. and as somebody who's younger to mm-hmm. be able to do a lot of that stuff. It's got to be really challenging and exciting for you, right?
3: It's really, um, if you read uh, Marco Pierre White's book, he um, goes into a, uh, he stops the book almost completely. There's a subsection on Nouvelle Cuisine. And essentially what you're doing is you're taking these old standards. No one invents this. There's, there's nothing new under the sun. Not one thing. But what you do is you take something older, something familiar, something grandma made, something auntie made, something, you know, that people know. And what you do is you're refining. You're not really changing. You're not, it's the same basic flavors. You know, you're just refining it. And making it something that's contemporary, something that's in keeping with the times, with the way people want to eat. People do want to at least pretend like they're eating healthier. They really do, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. And so, and and you know, I'm a father, so I'm, I'm an expert in tricking people into eating things that are healthy for them. <laughs> you know? And so, when you when you take it from that standpoint, and when I you know sat down with Nick and his sister Maria, and then we started discussing what the identity of the restaurant is, I started reading. And you learn that the Acadians come from Canada. They were expelled by the British. You learn that New Orleans is very, very, as quite as it's kept, very influenced by the Spaniards. Very much so. You learn that gumbo is an African word. There's no pork in it. They actually use um, um, a, uh, dried fish to make their stock. You learn that, like you were talking about the Northern Caribbean, how close it is. Etouffee. And jambalaya are Spanish dishes. Huh. This is Spanish standards. You right. know these are things you find yeah. every day. So jambalaya actually, is basically paella yeah. or whatever. Yeah, right. It, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So once you get that in mind, you realize what you're dealing with. You are literally dealing with the entire history of immigrants to the Western world over the last 500 years. It's that is exactly that serious. It's exactly that serious. It might sound limiting, but it opened my eyes. I'm like, okay, I know I can go here. I can go there. I can go here. I can go there. But what I also know is, is I could come in tomorrow, change every dish on the menu, and it can be, the whole menu can be just, hello, this is Chef Michael Sheldon's ego on a plate. Or, I could be like, the place was open before I got there. It's going to be open after if I'm never there, so why not keep the standards, make some changes here and there, keep business in mind, and then on the specials, look to the Caribbean for fish dishes. Because they are bright, bright and snappy, quick, quick, quick. Um, let's look to how were they making you know gumbo in Africa? They use all kinds of seafood in there. I live in New Orleans. There's all kinds of seafood here. This is exactly the right place for it. Let's look at let's look at the real difference between Creole and Cajun because it's not the same thing. And when you start to get into that, it, it's it's a respect. So you know, as I go on, you know that guides me. That guides me every day. You know, just respect who I cook for, who I work for, and the people I work with because I want them to be proud. You should be able to come to work every day and be, you know, I didn't want to get up today, but you know what? I did a good job. I'm proud. You know,
0: and and that's that's really what it comes down to. All right. Well, you know, Margo, I think we need to stop for just a moment and thank our sponsors of tonight's show. Thank you tonight for uh, to the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, the watering hole of NOLA Brewing Company on Chapitula Street in Irish Channel, where you can get all of NOLA Brewing's beers, plus another eight specialty beers can't get anywhere else.
1: And let me tell you about um, our sponsors, uh, Petite Pet Care. While you're at work or on vacation or out uh, whooping it up at Lil' Gem Saloon, you don't have to board your pets. He can stay in the comfort of his own home. For loving care when you're not there, Petite Pet Care. Find them at PetitePetCare.com.
0: All right. Maybe we can get back to um, to Nick for just a moment and uh, ask more about your background. So were you always in food or what, uh, uh, you know, before no. Rio Mar, what would you
2: do? Wow, right. It, you know, I, like I said, I came to New Orleans when I was 11 years old. In Argentina, being such a European culture, Did, food, did you come
0: here because your parents were teaching LSU? Is that
2: exactly. why? Okay. We all moved down here in 1981. So my whole family moved here. Do you speak any English when you got here? I knew two words. Hello and pencil. <laughs> <laughs> and now I know a few more, but no, I knew almost no English and no. it was scary. We came in the summer, so I was able to learn it in about six months. At that age, you're like a sponge. You can learn the language so quickly. And my parents uh, hired a tutor. They put us in front of the television and they said, you could learn English in three months. And we did. All right. We went to school. It was great. Friendliest city, really. The kids were great at that age, especially. You would think that there'd be some bullying, but not at all. We lived uh-huh. in the West Bank. I learned English. We assimilated very well. And uh, I fell in love with the city on Mardi Gras Day. I'll never forget uh-huh. it. was Mardi Gras Day. I'm on St. Charles Avenue. And there was magic. It was, it was something that I still can't describe. It's, and New Orleans is like that. So well, What do you like New Orleans? There's something about it, something in the air that we love. Uh-huh. But it happened Mardi Day on St. Charles. I was around St. Charles and I believe Jackson. Yeah. And uh, the whole city just was in sync of this beautiful festivity. It was a wonderful day. Everybody was having a great time. I was like, this place is special. Uh-huh. And I haven't left since. And uh-huh. uh, like I was saying, in Argentina, the food is taken very seriously. Being such a, a European... Uh, mostly Spanish, some Italian, Italian uh, some German, yeah. and some English. Yeah. So uh, cooking was a huge part of our culture. And eating around a table is always done down there, uh, no matter what. And here in New Orleans as well, we have a lot of similarities. they a yeah. very European Catholic city, New Orleans is. So when I came here, there were so many similarities. We kept our tradition. We had dinner every night. My mom and dad cooked together. And uh, my mom actually taught me a lot of dishes. I, I cooked in the kitchen quite a bit. I still do. Uh, and my first job in the restaurant business was actually as a dishwasher at a Shoney's in New Orleans East.
0: <laughs> Shoney's, <laughs> and
2: uh, you know, uh, I was that, that was a rude
0: awakening for me because before that I had plus jobs. Why? Why were you a dishwasher in New Orleans East of the Shoney's? Well,
2: I was living in New Orleans East. How old and, were you? And uh, I was about 16. Okay. And so I needed to do something uh, as a summer job. And uh, it was down the street. And I was like, you know what? This is probably the, the thing I can get a job doing that will teach me some things. Before that, I worked for my father. Kind of a, a plus job in the laboratory. <laughs> uh, this was minimum wage of so three thirty-five an hour working 12-hour shifts with no breaks, oh, wow. which is illegal, by the way. But that happened so long ago. <laughs> Bruce, you're fine. That was my manager. Uh, but, that, you know, like I tell people, once you can do something like that, you can almost do anything. I mean, this was really a hard job. I mean, just And you no made way. it?
1: all. You didn't quit?
2: I, I worked there for almost two years. I made it to a line cook. And huh. uh, they loved me because I just kept going. And... Uh, and, you know, it gave me a lot of fortitude. I mean, I'm glad I did that. It was it was definitely hell, but, you know, you have to go through that. And you have to start at the bottom in the restaurant business. You do. And and the Britons know that more than anything. They, they put the managers through the dish pit room when they first start out. You have to understand every aspect of the restaurant. And I think being a dishwasher uh, kind of gave me an identity of, of what that job means, which is probably the most important job, most the the lowest paying, and, and the most important one, huh. but that was my first job in in the business. But I've worked all over. I mean, I worked at Mr. Beast, I worked at galatoise as a waiter. Huh. That was an amazing job. So much fun. So much great money. Uh, I worked on Bourbon Street. I worked at Hula Hands at Seaport, at Cafe Sebiza. uh Wow, we're Andreas in Monterey. Huh. So I got to meet a lot of characters, a lot of great people in the city. Huh. And uh, I love the restaurant business in the city. We all help each other out. I'm good friends with everybody. And uh, we have a great community here of restaurants, which we all support. And we all know, we all love. I mean, eating out for me is a hobby. I do it at least twice a week. Um, Actually today, I went to court, the Court of Two Sisters. All right. <laughs> Can
0: you believe that? I've been craving that for a while, that buffet, you know? I don't yeah. think
1: I've been there since I was a kid. Yeah, that's
0: I the thing. Too. People I've act like it's a touristy years. thing or something, but I mean, it's a it's a great buffet. It's like 28 bucks for lunch or whatever last it time was, I went. It but was
2: it was $30 a person. $30 now, yeah. And but you had got had
0: that nice, sort of old timey Dixieland band in the back and exactly. a beautiful courtyard and sunny day you like know, today.
2: It, Ray, it was awesome. We yeah. had a great time, and really, because I wanted a courtyard, even though it's 102 degrees. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know what? Just see me. In the shade i'll be fine put the fan behind me we had a great time it was like it was worth it oh yeah, yeah.
0: nobody there you got to go hungry though because you. i, you gotta get I, your I didn't go worth. that hungry but it was uh. still worth it <laughs> great
2: service <laughs> yeah and um it is a touristy place but you know what i support the french quarter and yeah i, I go there at least at least twice a month maybe yeah. more because i love it it's my playground i live uptown, but i mean it's you know, and I know you live there, right, Margo? You live in the Quarters?
1: I uh, used to right. for 10 years. Not anymore. Right, I, right. I'm, so, I'm, I'm in the burbs now. Yeah. I,
2: it's uh, a great neighborhood. It really yeah, is. I love The Quarters. It. I like to call it the Quarters, too. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the other quarters. thing. The Pe- Quarters. People from downtown <laughs> call
0: the Quarters. Yeah, that's we great. We have to. And, yeah, yeah, that's uh, great. you know, we should, pa- we should patronize it more as locals. Yeah. Come on, let's take it back. I live uptown. I walked there today. Wow. I walk to the quarter. Yeah, That's what I got my lunch, and I got my uh, got my coffee and everything today. It was a 12-mile round trip, but I walk to the quarter. That's yeah, great. I love it. I do that at least once a week. Nice. That's how yeah.
1: Ray lost all the 50 pounds again when he first moved to New Orleans. Wow. Yeah.
0: What, do you take St. Charles Avenue? Where no, no, you? I take Magazine Street. Okay. That's I stay nice. on Magazine Street the whole way, the entire length of Magazine Street until it turns to Decatur, and I take the whole length of Decatur. I stop at on V at the very, very end, right, uh-huh. at, right at Esplanade. Nice. This is like my de- that's my best way to spend a day off. I love nothing oh, better. there you go. That's yeah. cool. Wonderful, good to hear. I do staycations that way too. I'll bring it. Right. Yeah. Anyway, but it's not about me. But anyway, so 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 I think it's time for off the menu question, isn't it?
1: Okay. Well, off the menu is uh, the part of the show where we ask y'all a question that uh, you would never have heard in your interview. Okay. I mean, maybe uh, my question this evening is uh, if you were interviewing for a job from an eight-year-old, because that's where my question comes from. Who's a four? Uh, Nick, okay. My question for you is, um, if you were eating this, um, let me phrase it right, because Julian asked me this question. Please, um, your son. If you were eating pork and you found what, what would you rather? If you were eating pork and you found out it was hamster meat, or if you were eating gumbo and you found out it was beetles. What would you rather have a, as a food experience?
0: That's bizarre.
1: I know, I'm sorry. He's 8 and he loves what would you rather?
2: Personally. Personally, I would rather find that it was hamster meat. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I, the I know beetles? why I know why he's going to say this. Well, I, I, mean, I can predict wait, it. Wait, 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 wait.
0: Because they eat guinea pigs They're not too exa- far from Argentina. Peru. Yeah, right. Exactly right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I want to and I want to go to Peru one day and try guinea pigs. And it's supposed tried, to be
0: great. I tried bugs
2: at the, muse, at the uh, Insectarium. At the insectarium. I've gross. tried them many times, and they're not bad at all. They're actually delicious to me, but I eat anything. But I would try <laughs> that, and I would not mind it because I like okay. to eat weird things. Okay. Uh, yeah. Excellent. They're probably delicious. They're just cute and fatty. <laughs> all, right. <laughs>
1: all right,
0: Chef. All right, so the meteor's going to hit the, the uh, planet. You got one meal. You got one restaurant, one bar, one band here before you die in New Orleans. What has got to be? I once tried to make my top 100 restaurants in New Orleans. It took me eight hours. And I couldn't get down to under 108. So this is a hard question. Okay. Listeners that don't understand New Orleans will not appreciate yeah. how difficult this is to pick just one. But you oh. got to pick just one place. If I had one
3: place. One, one place, place in New Orleans to eat. I, you know what? Silly as it sounds. If I had to go to a real restaurant, I would go to Commander's Palace. There you go. Because I enjoy... The whole thing, the whole service, the, the whole thing is amazing to me. And then as a chef, the stuff they have in their kitchen, the, the, the ingredients they have, is probably the best in Louisiana, just about. Wow. If, not, if not there, it's August. If I had to, huh. but now other than that, there's the Olympia Food Mart. It's so at the corner down from the street where I live. I live in Mid-City. Yeah. It is not ever going to win any awards. <laughs> It is not um, going to win a uh, Michelin star, (laughs) but if I have to just go get something to eat and I'm sitting at home, I go down there, I get a shrimp po' boy and or the Yakimi, I mean and or because sometimes I just want them both. But I think it's like what you said, the best thing about New Orleans is it's like within 10 minutes of your house, there's at least 10 different great places to eat that have nothing to do with tourists. Yeah. And I just like going there. You know, the the, um, guy knows my daughter. He always asks, you know, how she's doing. the family who owns it, you know, they're there every day, you know, with their children, you know, if they're not at school. Um, I love it. Now, but Commanders is just for me. When I think of classic New Orleans service, classic New Orleans. Just, just New Orleans as a restaurant, just a New Orleans restaurant. That's the one I think of. Neat. That's the one I think of. All
0: right, one bar, one band.
3: One bar. For a bar, oh, one bar I'm going to Miss Mays on Magazine. <laughs>
0: there you go, oh, right near me. Good because because okay. what was with Miss Mays? Because then you're gonna run into Peyton there, and you mm. run into yeah.
3: And it's <laughs> I, for for most of the last year I worked at three restaurants on Magazine. I worked at Pizza Domenica, yeah, Appoline, and um, La Petite Grocery and right oh, before I started yeah, right working there. here. Okay, and it's right in between. Yep. And being a cook, you are not what you would call rich at all. So you must be frugal with your um, spinning decisions. And that's where I would go. Now, thankfully, I started cooking in New Orleans after I was 30. Had I been here before, then I would have <laughs> needed a bionic liver. But that's where I would go. And one band, um, yeah. my favorite from when I was a kid, there was a rap group named Camp Low. I had never seen, I have all their albums. I've been fond of them since 97, since I was 16. My uh, friend Natalie, who's from here, uh, she took, we went for her birthday last year, I believe it was. We went to see them at Tipitina's. Nice. Or no, Howling Wolf. Howling Wolf. We went to see them. And I got to see my favorite group in New Orleans my first two months here. They took me to this cool, out the way place. I still have no idea where it's at that had these really good tapas If I could just see my favorite group in New Orleans. You know, they're from Brooklyn, no, from the Bronx in New Orleans. Huh. You know, and I'm, I'm down here, I'm living my dream. I see my favorite band. It got no better. It yeah, got no better.
0: Right near Rio Mar. Mm-hmm. Before, yeah, right? Yeah. Neomar is right near Mall. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, great. That's are good answers. Give some good ideas for some listeners, too. Because, c- you know, the meteor doesn't have to hit to go... Uh, <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> you know, you can go do this every day. Mm-hmm. Every day in this town.
1: Well, I want to know a little bit more about... Like, I know y'all's free time is is uh, limited in, in the field you're in. Mm-hmm. But um, when you do have free time uh michael i'd like to know what 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 do you enjoy doing and who do you spend your free time with
3: um my children okay um my youngest daughter i probably do not necessarily raise my daughters they are more like uh my friends whom i enable um i'm probably really hard on my sons very very easy on my daughters so i like to hang out with them now since i've moved here what i like to do is um um, there's a coffee shop Up the street from my house um, Sacred Grounds Oh yeah um, Near the cemeteries yeah. um, On Canal I love going there They have You would think That organic muffins Would not be good But <laughs> you would be wrong They are excellent um, I like to go to uh, Central City Comics um, oh, yeah. Love there Love love that I've been collecting comics Since I was Seven So that's like 20 or something years um, And that's
1: fun to do With your kids too, Yeah, huh? yeah
3: You know And what it is Is they think that I'm cooler than what I really am. Because the truth is, I've had pretty much the same set of interests as I was 13. Uh And I'm 36 now, so it's the, you know, I'm just extending it to them. You know, last year, right before I moved here, actually, like two weeks before I moved to New Orleans, uh, we went to WrestleMania. So I had to leave work, drive to New Orleans, to WrestleMania, and get them back. Um, I also like to walk around the city. I'm from Philadelphia. My grandmother, we used to walk everywhere. And, you know, this is when she was in her 80s. And I was 12, and she would wear me out. You know, I was just like, goodness gracious woman. But um, now, you know, it's it's fun to do. Um, my first move here, I just walked around the quarters. Um, I came down, I took the streetcar down Canal, and just kind of walked around and saw what was there. And that's one of the, uh, I think that is the, the unknown true greatness of New Orleans. Yeah. That New Orleans wants New Orleans to be New Orleans. And they are not necessarily in any kind of rush to be something else. Which is beautiful. Which is beautiful. And it reminds me of Philly, because Philly yeah. loves Philly. We take care of Philly. You don't need anything else. You need, you know, your neighborhood in Philadelphia. And so yeah. it's so that's very familiar to you. And so just walking around and then you know Yeah, you can't be in New Orleans when you're in a car. You're driving around in a pod looking at New Orleans
0: through a window. Yeah, you gotta be thing. out on the street walking it's around in it. Thing. I got rid of my car years ago for that yeah. reason.
3: I mean you just you just you, You've, you learn something Yeah and I think that's the, That's the beautiful thing and, You know when My kids were here For Christmas They live in Mississippi we, You know We took a walk we, we would take a walk You know And you can point Something out And then um, You know When I was working At Apple you know the, um, One of the editors From the Times Speaking Was like Oh yeah You know ju- You know um, Who was the gentleman Who uh, shot Kennedy Oh, Lee Harvey Oswald lives Live, a couple blocks yeah, in like, Don't yeah, get me started. Yeah, this is a couple of blocks. <laughs> like, so, so you know, we're a bunch of you know adults, so we're all over the fence. Like, look, that was yeah. over there. It was over there. Forty nine hundred block of magazine. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know, yeah. and it's just, it's just, you know, it's just cool. It, it, it's a, it's a better than interesting city. And then in high school, perhaps allegedly, me and some friends may or may not have snuck here a couple of times without our parents knowing. Allegedly, <laughs> my parents. You know, are very very tech savvy, but um, <laughs> this is late '90s. This is '96, '97. Um, you you just learn something, you see something. It's New Orleans yeah. is New Orleans, yeah. and you must appreciate it for that. Yeah, it's for whatever one anyone wants to say is wrong, or whatever anyone wants to say is bad. It's beautiful it's beautiful it's a beautiful place
1: yeah Mm. all right we're almost out of time I just want to hear a little bit about what you do in your free time because I want it just one thing that people would not know about you
2: Margo I mean I, I do have kids just like Michael so I've got three kids they're my life I've got a 13 year old boy De La Salle eighth grade that's where I went to high school great football player had a great game this weekend so he's my, my war right now. Then I have a seven-year-old boy, Esteban and Estella, who's five. They're amazing. They're also a huge part of my life. Besides that, I am a triathlete. I do triathlon. Uh, so I've done seven half-hour half match. I train two to four hours a day. So wow. I do a lot of training when I can. And the business is hard. You have a, gi-
0: you have a gym, like in the little little you gym way. Right? I mean, I
2: sneak them in. I go in the morning. <laughs> like this morning, did a spinning class for an hour. I lift weights uh, after work. I go to ah. the gym. I run between shifts. Nice. Actually, I run downtown. I run from the from the restaurant. I run down to Bacchanal and back.
0: Nice. I've been taking
2: that Crescent Park. It's amazing. Yeah. You gotta sneak the workout in when you can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do yoga. I did. I, I just did an hour and a half yoga. So I do what I can when you can to take care of my body, because that's how I get high. I, I get high with my body. And uh, that's that's my passion right now. Besides my children, is working out.
1: All right, all
0: right, wonderful.
2: And eating all over the city.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. You work out enough, you know. That's so I could eat. Yeah. That's I found, why I do. I found it when I got rid of my car, I found it as long as I walk to wherever I'm going to eat, I can eat whatever I want. Oh man, you know? so many yeah, good yeah, meals. Yeah, yeah.
1: Will y'all um, tell our listeners about the hours of Little Gem sure. Saloon? I'd love and, to. Um,
2: yes, we're open. Uh, we're open actually six days a week. We're open uh, Tuesday through sa- through Sunday. Close on Mondays. So we we'll do dinner Tuesday through Saturday, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. on the weeknights, 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday nights. And we're doing Sunday brunch, great brunch from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and lunch Tuesday through Friday. Okay. So we basically close on, on Mondays. All right. all right. And do
1: you all have a website? We
2: Is do. There? It's uh, littlegemsaloon.com.
0: Yes. Great. Facebook, I'm sure, and
3: Twitter and all all that
2: that kind of stuff. All the the music schedules there. We have a great music lineup every day of the week. Yes. And that's the thing. They're all free shows except for the Carmen Ruffin show and Nia Jones. Everything else is free. All
3: right. Right. Our
0: special guest tonight at Midnight Menu Plus One was Nick Bazan of Little Gem Saloon. And his Plus One was Chef Michael Shelton. So thankful for you guys to come. I know both of you uh, have a busy schedule. We really appreciate it. You can find out more about uh, about Little Gem Saloon on our website. It's neworleans.com.
1: And thanks to Petite Pet Care and the NOLA Brewing Tap Room for the awesome beer this evening.
0: All right. The NOLA Brewing Tap Room, have I mentioned, is open seven days a week. Have we mentioned that today? You uh, You can go there anytime or you can join us back here next week for another Midnight Menu Plus One
1: thanks again to our guests this evening and uh, see y'all next week. I'm Margo Moss.
0: And I'm Ray Kanata. Good night.
3: labor day signals the unofficial end of summer but not the end of your outdoor projects lowes helps you do it right and helps you save with labor day deals throughout the store shop now and get two bags of stay green potty mix for twelve dollars and keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a craftsman two cycle 17 inch gas string trimmer now twenty dollars off at just 119 dollars whatever's still on your to-do list this labor day do it right for less start with lowes offers valid through 828 soil offer
0: excludes alaska and hawaii u.s only